Welcome to the Good Fight Radio Show with pastor and author Joe Schimmel, bringing you vital and uncompromised truths that you will not hear in the mainstream media, discussing contemporary issues in light of the Bible and how these issues relate to family, culture, and the church. The heart of this show is to glorify Jesus Christ and expose the works of darkness as he commanded in Ephesians 5.11. God states in his word that he would rise up ministries in the last days to do mighty exploits that would turn many to righteousness. Today's show is a message given by Pastor Joe Schimmel to his congregation at Blessed Hope Chapel in Simi Valley, California. Now here with vital insights from God's word is pastor and author Joe Schimmel. How many adults went into the promised land? Do you remember? How many people actually made it? Two. Who were they? Come on. We all know that. You teach it in Sunday school. Joshua and who? And Caleb, right? Okay, go to Deuteronomy chapter 1. And I'm just going to share one verse on this because there's many to back it up. But do you know that oh, thousands and tens of thousands and you know hundreds of thousands perhaps went into the promised land, but they were children when God pronounced judgment that their parents would not enter into the promised land. But if you read why, Deuteronomy chapter 1, go ahead and look at verse uh, 29. 39. What did I say? Oh, I said 29. Ah, I wrote down a 2 instead of a 3. Moreover, your little ones, check it out, who you said would become a prey, and your sons who this day have no knowledge of good or evil, shall what? shall enter or go in there, and I will give it to them, and they shall possess it. Wait, what does he mean? Your little ones who said, you know, it would become a prey, your sons uh, who this day have no knowledge of good or evil. They don't know the difference between good or evil. They want their way, they get it, they do things that are wrong based on God's law, but they don't understand. It hasn't come to fruition in their consciousness enough to whereby they're condemned. And that seems just and right of a, of a righteous and just God, amen? Don't, wouldn't we agree with that? I think we most definitely would. In uh, Jonah 4.11, God's about ready to destroy the Ninevites if they don't repent, and Jonah wants God to destroy the Ninevites, and Jonah doesn't even want to preach the message. He didn't go to Tarsus just because he was afraid, but he also wanted God to judge the Ninevites. We know that because he was all upset when God relented of bringing judgment upon them. And then in Jonah 4.11, God says to him, Ask him why he's not even concerned about the 120,000 children who don't know the difference between good and evil and should they perish with everyone else. Interesting. So we looked at David. We looked at the children of Israel's children. We looked at the Ninevites. All these, I think, make an interesting illustration of a theological point, and, uh, which we'll look at in a second. But I want you to go to Ezekiel chapter 18 and go ahead and look at uh, verse 20. The person who sins will die. The son will not bear the punishment of the father's iniquity, nor will the father bear the punishment of the son's iniquity. The righteousness of the righteous will be upon himself, and the wickedness of the wicked will be upon himself. People do not pay for the sins of their parents. Now, don't misunderstand. There's consequences. If you're a dad or you're a mom and you're living a life of sin, the consequences, your children can be affected by the consequences of your bad decisions, big time. And by your bad example, they could even adopt your bad example, live a wicked life, and be tormented because you've left them a bad example. So it can still affect your children. But God doesn't say, you know, because your mom did this, I'm going to punish you for your mom's sin. Because your dad did this, I'm going to punish you because your dad's sin. Don't even think that uh, David's 
child was being punished for his sin. The child wasn't punished. The child was brought into Abraham's bosom. Amen? You know, we get the questions about the flood. What about all the babies and children that died in the flood? Well, if they weren't conscious of sin and rebelling against God, and they didn't know to turn from that, they were ushered, that flood ushered them into the, into the presence of God. That's how you answer the atheist. That's how you answer the skeptic. In fact, you know what? A lot of children who sadly perished were better off than being brought up by wicked parents and turning wicked and end up in hell later. Now, the babies and young people that die young, they won't have experienced the maturation of the gospel and, and growing in Christ and the rewards that believers will get later, but they'll still be in the kingdom. And that's a great place to be, amen? And we don't know exactly how that works, so we don't want to speculate that on that too much. So when we talk about original sin right here, original sin teaches that, you know, children pay for, you know, they're connected to Adam's sin and held guilty of it, even though they didn't consciously partake of it or sin. We are affected by Adam's sin by inheritance. We're sinners by nature and by choice. But it's not until we're sinners by choice that we're held accountable before God, and that's an awareness of sin. And now I've given you certain scriptures. If we were just doing a whole message on this, we'd spend a lot more depth on this, but we're going through different verses, so we're just spending a little bit of time on it. So I don't want to spend too much time on this, so I just want to look at one passage. Look at Romans 3.20. Look at this principle. This is something you need to understand as a Christian. Romans chapter 3, verse 19 and 20. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be closed and that all the world may become accountable to God, because by the works of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. For through the law comes the what? Knowledge of sin. It's only when you become aware of God's law that you really know what sin is. Okay, now keep in mind, the whole world becomes accountable because not everybody has the Mosaic law, but everybody has the moral law of God written on their hearts not to murder, not to steal, not to lie, those kinds of things. Now, I want you to look at what Paul said when he talks about when he was a child, before he was aware of the law, how he was, guess what? Spiritually, he was what? Alive. Because as a kid, you are spiritually alive to God. A little baby does not need to be born again. A little baby does not need their sins to be forgiven. A two, three-year-old does not need to be born again and have their sins forgiven because they don't even know what sin is yet. And they're alive to God. Jesus said, of such is the what? The kingdom of God. Non-believers who are older, past the age of accountability, they need to be converted, become part of the children of God. But little children are already part, Jesus says, of the kingdom of God. So I'm bookending this with two theological points. Jesus' point in Matthew 18 and Mark chapter 10, that children belong to the kingdom of God, and what I'm going to read to you in Romans 7. So the kingdom of God they belong to, and what we see in Romans 7. In between that, I've given you illustrations of how children belong to the kingdom, and they go to God's presence. Now look at what Paul says in Romans chapter 7, verse 8. But sin, taking opportunity through the commandment, produced in me coveting of every kind. For apart from the law, sin is what? Dead. So Paul, when he was a kid, he didn't know the law. Sin was dead. He had no awareness of what sin was. He was still doing all kinds of wrong things, but he didn't know it. So apart from the law, sin is dead. Verse 9. I was once what? alive apart from the law so were you before you knew it was wrong to to murder and steal and, and rape and whatever else and you just lived your life as a little boy or a little girl like paul you were alive apart from god's law you were part of the kingdom you weren't spiritually dead yet you didn't need to be born again verse 9 i was once alive apart from the law 
But when the commandment came, sin became alive, and I what? I died. What's it mean the commandment came? When God's laws, his commandments, thou shalt and shalt not, were birthed in his heart, and he became aware, he became accountable all of a sudden, and he changed from not accountable to accountable. He changed from not guilty because he didn't know he was breaking God's law to all of a sudden quite guilty, a rebel against God's moral law. And then there was some kind of crisis to one degree or another in each person's heart where they become aware, uh-oh, they got guilt all of a sudden. And they sense guilt. Little babies can sense guilt with regard to you and hurting your feelings or not doing right by the family rules at first, you know, but that's not guilt over God's law. They don't understand God's law until a certain point in their lives. But notice again, because it's so vital, and I want you to be able to do this. I want, when somebody comes to you and says, what happens at your work or wherever? What happens to babies? You know, how could God send them to hell? How, how is that just? They don't even know what they're doing, little kids. And, and you say, guess what? You're basically speaking about the heart of God. And right here it says, and you should be able to go to Romans 7. This is easy to remember. You know how you can remember it? I just thought of it. Just think Romans 7, 8, 9. Easy. Romans chapter 7, verses what? 8, 9. Can you say 7, 8, 9? Guess what? You just have memorized where the address of the best verses, I believe, in the entire Bible of the age of accountability. That's just 8, 9. Let's read it again. But sin, taking opportunity through the commandment, produced in me covenant of every kind. But he says, for apart from the law, sin is dead. I was once alive apart from the law, but when the commandment came, sin became alive and I died. And this commandment, which was to result in life, proved to result in death for me. For sin taking an opportunity through the commandment deceived me and through it killed me. So there was a time in your childhood where you became aware of God's commandments and you died and you were deceived by sin and you knew it was wrong. And now at that point, you still did it and you were killed. And then you needed to be saved. Then you need to be born again. Then you need to understand what Jesus did for you. Now, we already bring our children to Jesus at a young age, making them aware of sin and how God cleanses sin and so forth. Because we cannot pinpoint, understand this, we cannot pinpoint the age of accountability. Some say it's when you're eight and a half. How do you know when exactly it is? For some people, it's at eight and a half. For some people, it's... Nine and a half. Some people maybe 12 or 13. or Some people might be, my kid's a genius. Well, <laughs> might be three for your kid. You know, I don't know. That's why I encourage you to bring your children to Jesus at a young age. Teach them all about his goodness, all about his love, and give them a head start, right? So when they do become aware of their sin, they know to what it really means to fall at the feet of Jesus in his grace and, and find forgiveness. Amen. Okay, let's look at the last couple of verses. Mark chapter 10, verse 15. Truly I say to you, whoever does not believe or receive the kingdom of God like a child will not enter it at all. Wow. By the way, if somebody says to you tomorrow at work is, what about kids? What are you going to tell them? Do they go to hell when they die? Wait, go to Romans where, bro? 789. Wow. Praise God, man. We already got it down. Verse 15. For I, I, I truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child will not enter it at all. Wow, he's telling adults they must be, he's got these kids, right, that want to be, that their parents want to be blessed, 
Disciples want to get him away. And Jesus uses the opportunity to say, hey, guess what? These are the ones that belong to the kingdom. He tells the adults, you got to become like these children to become part of the kingdom of God. Yeah, that's a wow. Because in Matthew 18, he elaborates a little bit more. And he says, unless you become like a child, you will not enter the kingdom of God. He says, unless you are converted and humble yourself. So you have to be converted. You have to humble yourself and become like a child. It doesn't mean, some of you are saying, good, I'm really childish. No, it doesn't mean be childish and you can enter the kingdom. Amen. It means to become like a child. What does a child do? Children are so trusting. Amen. You know how trusting they are, how much, how easy they come, how easy their faith comes? It's amazing. I'll tell you what, I wouldn't let some big old dude like me throw me up in the air 30 feet in the air and just like, more. I'd be like, let me down, you know? You know what, I was walking out, I used to throw Holly way up in the air. I mean, too, too high now that I look back at it. And I remember coming out of Denny's on, was it Sycamore? And I, was, I walked out of the door. So of course there's a sky. I walked it out, I just threw her up. And you know when you get the Denny light, D-E-N-N-Y? The D was out for like a couple years because she hit her head on the D, you know? And uh, poor Heather, poor Holly. Where are you, Holly? she here? She scared me. My wife, she's like pointing up. I'm like, no. Oh, you mean up there. Okay. She's upstairs with the kids. Okay, great. But you know what? Kids are so trusting. God wants us to trust him. Because he's never going to drop us. Amen? I could say I never dropped her, but I did hit her head on the D of Denny's and put the light out, you know? But God will never hit our head on the D either. Amen? He's just so good. And we need to be like that. We need to just fully trust the Lord. Amen? You're listening to The Good Fight Radio Show with pastor and author Joe Schimmel, discussing contemporary issues in light of the Bible and how they relate to family, culture, and the church. If you'd like to learn more about our life-changing resources, such as They Sold Their Souls for Rock and Roll and The Submerging Church, check out our website at goodfightradio.org. Now, verse 16, last verse we're looking at tonight. And he took them in his arms and began blessing them, laying his hands on them. I love that, man, because Jesus just, you know, he, he rebukes the disciples. He takes them. He uses it as an opportunity to teach them about what, who belongs to the kingdom and, and how they get in the kingdom. They got to be like these children that they're like not too concerned about. You got to adopt their mentality to be in the kingdom. Serious stuff here. And then he begins to lay his hands on them, begins to bless them. And I love that because keep in mind, those children represent who? The kingdom, but they also represent you and me. That's who we were before we got bigger. He wants to bless us. He wants to take us up. We are his children. Amen? The Bible says, Oh, what manner of love this is that we should be called the children of God. And by the way, when you go through Matthew 18, you look at his dealing with the children and, and Mark here, children become a picture of his disciples, right? Because the adults have to become what? Like the children. Amen? And when we become like the children, then we're in a position to where we can receive God's blessing. Amen? Where we can receive what he has for us. We can receive his blessings. And that's an, a, an, amazing, an amazing truth that I think we need to appreciate far more than we do. And by the way, you need to keep in mind, we've been talking a lot about God's goodness this, this evening. A lot about God's grace and his disposition toward children, his disposition toward us. But you also need to keep in mind that God wants to bless you. He created you. He said he wants you to enjoy life, 1 Timothy chapter 6. 
but he wants you to live for him so you can enjoy life and relate to him the way you ought to. And it was God's original desire to bless us from the very beginning. In fact, you remember God called Israel and he called Abraham first and he, and he said that through his seed, all the nations would be what? Blessed. That was his objective in the salvation history going way back to the beginning. Even with Cain, Cain, if you do what's right, will your countenance not be lifted up? That's his heart. We talked about that in some length before uh, recently, so I'm not going to talk a lot about that. I'm just saying that's God's heart toward even Cain. Cain's of the evil one, but God wants him to, his countenance to be lifted. He wants to repent. He doesn't just pick Abraham and say, oh, God was like, just for this group of Israel. Wrong. He chooses Abraham so that through Israel, the Messiah will come forth so he can be a blessing to the nations and salvation could spread to the entire world. And so it will happen because it says in Revelation 7 that people from every nation, people in tongue, will come out of every, every tribe, every nation, every tongue. We cleanse by the blood of Jesus. Amen? But you know what it says in Ephesians 1.3? It says that, well, let's go there. It's a very easy verse. Ephesians chapter 1, the entire letter of Ephesians is just, the epistle of Ephesians is amazing. It's a big run-on sentence, uh, much of the first chapter, because Paul's just so filled with the Spirit, just gushing with God's praise for who Jesus is. But notice what it says in verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has what? Blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Now, if you would understand how real spiritual blessing is and how much it transcends physical blessing. Praise God for physical blessing, amen? God's blessed us in many ways physically, but you know what matters the most is spiritually because that's eternal. And he says that he blesses us, blessed be the God and our Father, Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing, not a couple, not some, not many, but every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. I could, you can think of many of them. One is Jesus said, don't rejoice that you have power with demons. Rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Amen. And we have eternal life. Ephesians talks about how we're seated in heavenly places with Christ. We're joint heirs with Christ, Paul says. So you are so blessed in Christ. Remember, God, Abraham choosing you. You're going to have a child named Isaac that through him, his seed, through your seed, ultimately through Jesus, all the nations to be blessed. And the Jews were called to be a light to who? The Gentiles. Now, there's a lot that we can get out of that. But I want you to get at least this out of this before we leave. Go to Psalm chapter 67. Verse 1, God be gracious to us and what? Bless us. It's not wrong to pray that God will bless you. That's a good prayer. God be gracious to us and bless us and cause his face to shine upon us. Now, what I like about this is he's saying us, not me, okay? It's one thing we got to look beyond ourselves. We do want others to be blessed, amen? And cause his face to shine upon us, verse 2, that your way may be what? Known on the earth. Now, why does the psalmist say, bless us? Verse 2 is the answer. Of course, he wants to be blessed, but so your way may be what? Known on the earth. So God will say, wow, look at how he's, God's blessed them. And so they'll know how God works. Amen? And how he's good. Verse, verse uh, 2, not just that your way may be known on the earth, but your what? Your salvation among all nations. Look at verse 6 and 7. The earth has yielded its produce. And yielded is the only thing in the past tense in this entire psalm, Psalm 67. The earth has yielded its produce. 
God, our God, what? Blesses us. When you eat vegetables, when you eat yummy fruit, how many like watermelon in summertime? Oh, come on, it's so good. Unless you have different taste buds than I do, man. How about cold peaches or plums? Strawberries, oh man, strawberry smoothie, right? Oh man, the earth has yielded its produce. God, our God, what? Blesses us, verse seven. God blesses us that what? All the ends of the earth may fear him. So God wants you to be blessed, he does. Now the context here is Israel. So Israel would be blessed and they'd be a light to the Gentiles. But the application for us, the church, is that we be blessed in Christ and that people would see God's blessing upon us and they'd want that blessing. They'd want salvation. God even says in Romans that the salvation of the Gentiles should provoke the Jews, Israel, to jealousy. So they would want salvation in Jesus. I'm paraphrasing, but that's basically what it teaches. So you should be shining the light of Jesus and walking in God's blessing and giving God the glory for, being a, for blessing your life to draw other people to Christ. In fact, the verses we skipped, verses three through five, Notice what it says twice about may all the people basically praise God. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you will judge the peoples with uprightness and guide the nations on the earth. Let all the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Those are beautiful verses. So God wants to bless the children. He wants to bless you. He wants us to be blessed in heavenly places in Jesus. And that's where the ultimate blessing comes, is in Christ. Amen? But he wants you to be blessed, blessed and far better than, than homes and cars and boats and material things is the fruit of the Spirit. Love and peace and joy and long-suffering and gentleness and goodness and faithfulness and meekness. Amen? Would you rather have houses and cars but not have any joy? Or would you rather have love and joy and peace but not have a bunch of houses and cars? It's pretty... Easy math, amen? So the point is this, is if you're in Jesus, you can learn to be content whether you are abounding or abased, whether God's blessing you with material things or he's not, because you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. And Paul says a little bit later in that same book, in chapter four, verse 19, that my God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory, amen? God's got plenty of riches and glory to bless you. Now he blesses us according to how he sees fit at a certain any given time. We just leave that up to him, Amen? We seek him, we pray, meet our needs. We trust him no matter what we go through. But as we're trusting him like a child, amen, and we see ourselves being blessed by Jesus because we are, and we're in the Father's hands, then we can have that love and joy and peace, right? The Spirit, all of a sudden it wells up in us like because we're surrendered to God. And the more we surrender to him, the more He is allowed to live in us and fill us with his spirit, amen? And we can just be overjoyed with his presence. Are you being the blessing that God has called you to be. We're his hands and feet in this world. Amen. That's what the Bible says. We're the body of Christ. Now we need to take our hands and we need to bless the children. Amen. And not hinder them from coming to Jesus. And we need to take the blessing that he's given us and we need to share it with the young people. Amen. You've been listening to pastor and author Joe Schimmel on the Good Fight Radio Show. To learn more about Good Fight Ministries, please visit goodfightradio.org where we feature many eye-popping and life-changing resources on DVD and CD as well as an archive of previously aired shows. You can visit our podcast page at goodfightradio.org to find many of Pastor Joe's full Sunday morning teachings. If you've been blessed by this show and would like to share this blessing with others, you can help support our ministry by visiting our donate page also at goodfightradio.org 
Or you can write to us at P.O. Box 2202, Simi Valley, California, 93062. Or call us toll-free at 1-866-JC-TRUTH. That's 1-866-528-7884. We thank you for tuning in. Join us next time on the Good Fight Radio Show. Love life, it comes down to just one thing.